It's good to be with you today as we carry on this series about what next. Nigel started it last week and we're going to have a couple more weeks. We're doing this series because as lockdown kind of begins to lift for us individually and also as a community, a lot has changed for us. And it's a good opportunity to pause and to look back and reflect, but also to kind of pause and to look forward and say, why are we here as a church community? Why are we here? What are we for? Particularly as a church, because we've been for a period of time when we haven't been able to meet together in this building. We couldn't say to people, why don't you come and join us in this building as we seek to encounter God? And so as we look forward and we pause and we reflect, it's a time to think about what next. We don't want to kind of go back just to the old way of doing things because that's the way we used to do things. We want to think about what does God have for us now in this season and in the seasons to come. How do we want to do life differently? And one of the key things that we want to do next that we should always be doing because it's always been there in, uh, in our kind of calling as followers of Jesus is to reach beyond ourselves. To value those who live amongst us and around us, and to bring them into encounters with God. Well, what could that look like? What should it look like? And I want to just read a, a well-known passage in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And then they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And as you can read into chapter 3, you, you see that Peter makes the most of that opportunity just to share about Jesus and the need to encounter and to follow Jesus. And then in chapter 4, and we're touching on it in a little, in a few minutes time, they're arrested by the religious uh, leaders. And so as we begin to think about what does it mean to reach beyond ourselves, I think we can learn a lot from that passage. It's an incredibly simple passage, it's a passage I find Hard as somebody who's been around church as a child not to turn into a song. Because uh, there's a well-known children's song about Peter and John going to pr pray and meeting a lame man on the way. But there's some incredibly simple yet powerful lessons that we can learn from it. And that's what I want to do today. Uh, just look at this passage. Now my first point is we can't have Acts chapter 3 without having Acts chapter 1. What do you mean by that, you might be saying to me? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, there's something that happens in 
chapter 1 uh, and looking at verses 4. This is Jesus and saying, On one occasion while he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you will have heard me speak about. But John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then moving to verse 8, But you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right at the end of, the, of Jesus' life, he tells them, we told this in the book of Matthew, that he's going to give them, he's giving them authority. And here, Jesus says, you're to wait to receive the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do this yourself. What I'm calling you to do, to reach beyond yourselves, to bring transformation into your neighborhoods, into your society, you can't do yourself. You need authority and you need power. And he's kind of given them the authority. But they needed to have the power to be able to step out. We all know people that have had authority. But not had power. If you can't remember. Just think back to some teacher in your school. I can think of one particular one in my school. He might have had the authority. He might have officially been the teacher. But he had no power or influence over what happened in that class. <laughs> we the children, we dominated, we ran the classroom. And if we want to see stories like Acts chapter 3 where people's lives are transformed, we need to have not just authority but we need to have power. And we only get that by waiting upon God. It talks there about this idea of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. And the word there... Baptized means to be kind of immersed. Maybe the image that comes to mind, if you're familiar with tie-dyeing, maybe some, I'm doing a lot of kind of illustrations that you might remember from when you were a child. And you used to get like a white t-shirt and you put it in dye. And only those bits that were exposed to the dye changed color. And those that weren't just stayed white. And so you got all these weird patterns over to you. And what Jesus is saying here is we've got to wait and we've got to be immersed in the Holy Spirit because that's what gives us power. So that every aspect of our life changes colour, is immersed in the reality and the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we live from the overflow of that place. There's a verse in Ephesians 5 verse 18 that says, Do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word there, filled, means is in what's called present continuous, which means be filled and continue being filled and continue to be filled so that you overflow. So you overflow and that begins to overflow in your life. And that's what you begin to see. You see in Acts 3, we begin to see the overflow. As you get the power, as you have the authority, stories like Acts 3 begin to happen. But you cannot have Acts 3 without Acts 1. And so uh, I'm going to give you a whole load of very practical questions today. Uh, like I said, it's incredibly simple, but in some ways incredibly challenging with some of these questions. And these are questions I've been asking myself this week, even as I've written this talk. If authority and power is important, how am I going to grow in authority and power? If the Holy Spirit's important and being filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit's important, 
how can I or do I need to create habits that will help me live from a place of overflow? So we need to have Acts 1. Secondly, we see that they were on the way to pray. Prayer is crucial. You see, for Peter and John, prayer was a way of life. As they regularly normally did, they were on the way to pray. If we want to reach beyond ourselves and impact our community, prayer has got to become a way of life. I remember as a child, people used to say to me, what's your prayer life like? We use this phrase, like life, and I was thinking, actually, it's something that I sometimes I occasionally do. But prayer should infuse and affect every area of our life if we want to see stories like this. Thirdly, you see in this story, you know, that phrase, you know, Peter and John went to pray and they met a lame man on the way. It's on the way as we do life. These encounters happen as we do our everyday, ordinary life. We sometimes teach in this church this principle, what we call scattered servants, having this kind of mindset of a scattered servant, which means anywhere, anyone, at any time, expecting God to move and to partner with God in whatever he is doing. About a week ago, the postman came to our door and, and Katie asked him how he was doing. And he said, you know, he just had a, you know, kind of a lot of pain and kind of just some like some wounding of some scars from just having some injections and uh, and he was you know feeling that kind of restless he wasn't at peace and so Katie just said hey can I just pray for you can I just invite God to come and the postman was very happy to get prayed for and Katie describes him as kind of having kind of tears come into his eyes this is kind of like you know a kind of rowdy kind of strong male kind of postman but God encountered him in that moment. And now he's completely healed and he acknowledges, you know, that something happened in that time. That's been a scattered servant just in your everyday life. And the kind of mindset that helps and feeds into this kind of expectations is based on these kind of three principles, I believe. Firstly, what I call the Esther principle. In the book of Esther, there's a phrase in Esther 4, verse 14, that says, for such a time as this. Secondly, what I call the Jacob principle. There's a story in Genesis 28, verse 16, and there's a verse that says this, surely God in this, is in this place, I was, and I was not aware of it. Then lastly, what I call the John principle, John 5, verse 17, which says, my father is always at work to this very day. And it's crucial because you have these encounters as you do life. When you kind of live from that mindset, like Katie with a postman, and I'll share another story in a minute, where you're just like, God is here at this point in time now. He's moving. And I'm here for this time. And the Father's always at work. And when you have that mindset, everything begins to change. Things begin to happen in your everyday life. About a month ago, I woke up and uh, just kind of had a sense of kind of like just a pain in my, my, my right wrist. And I thought I didn't have that pain beforehand. 
I'm going to meet somebody today that's got that problem. And so I had an appointment at the dentist and the hygienist to be specific. And after they finished my teeth, I thought I'd ask them afterwards rather than before. And um, I said, then we got a problem with the right wrist. And, you know, they said, no, why? And I explained why. And I thought, okay. And I went to just to pay at the receptionist. And I mentioned it to her. And she goes, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. She kept saying, this morning I was just woken up and I thought my right wrist keeps giving me pain. And so I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, of course. I said, don't worry. I don't need to lay hands upon you, you know, with the whole kind of corona thing. I said, I, 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 just, I can just speak and release healing that way because of the authority and the power that I have in the Holy Spirit. You can have chapter three if you have chapter one. And so I just um, prayed for her and um, nothing seemed to happen the first time. I prayed for her a second time. There was just considerable improvement. She was just, she was just overwhelmed by the goodness and the love of God. These are what we are called to do to create encounters where heaven and earth meet as we step out with God, as we do our everyday life and expect God move and so the question to myself is how can I grow and develop in having this scattered servant mindset how can I live in such a way that the extraordinary God has an opportunity to break into my ordinary day because I can often go through days at a time and that doesn't happen And again, this leads into that point I said before, that Peter and John were led by the Holy Spirit. And I love the phrase it says there, it says, they noticed the lame man. I wonder if there'd been many times when they hadn't noticed him. They weren't aware of what the Holy Spirit was doing at that point in time. I was thinking how often I do things in life and do I miss it? I don't notice it. Maybe when I'm going to shop, a bit later I'm going to go to shop in Asda. And I'm thinking about it now, but I wonder if, I'm thinking, okay, well, I wonder what God's going to be doing at Asda, but I wonder if I'll get to Asda and i got my list and i rush through and I'll come out and I get in a pot into the car and I think, oh, I wonder what God was doing or wanting to do there. And my prayer for myself and for each one of us is that we begin to notice more. What is God up to? Something I've been doing for maybe the last two months to help me is a type of what we call prayer of an exam. And prayer of exam is a tool to help you reflect on the day. And it can be used in many ways. Normally it's just used as a way of processing the day. For what you're most thankful and what did you find most difficult and to give it over to God. But it can be used in different ways. And one of the ways I've been trying to do it, to try to get more in touch with what the Holy Spirit is doing so I do not miss things, so that I notice more what the Father is up to, so that I can partner with the Father and what he's seeking to do in my everyday life and situation, is by asking these questions. When was I most aware of the Holy Spirit today? When was I aware of him and what he was doing and what he was saying? When was I least aware of him? When was I more so caught up in myself and what I was doing? 
And I don't do this as a kind of judgment thing, but because I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. Because in that place and in those, by living a lifestyle like this, that we begin to see encounters as we go on our way. I think I'm up to my fourth point here. See, look at the story. Peter and John say, you know, silver and gold we do not have. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And what I noticed about this, I was looking at this, said, you know, money we do not have, silver and gold we do not have. And they quickly moved on. But I think one of the problems for so many of us is we focus in on what we do not have. We focus in and we say, oh, I don't have the money. Or I think over this last season, many people have said, you know, we didn't have the building. I haven't got nothing to invite people to. Or people sometimes say to me, I was hoping to do this on the other, but there's no alpha course to invite them to. Or I don't have the personality. Or I'm not very gifted at what we call apologetics, which is having good and clever answers to difficult questions. We talk about what we do not have and a bit... Believe us, we want to reach out and affect our communities. We've got to focus on less on what we do not have and more on, on what we do have. What God has given us. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not know that you have. Do we really know what we have? There's a lovely verse in Psalm 103 verse 2 and it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I think sometimes we forget his benefits. And if you do not know the benefits of what it is to follow Jesus, if you do not know the benefits of the good news, you can't give it. And it would be daft. It seems daft to forget your benefits. It'd be a bit like um, we have RAC membership. And it'd be daft for me to kind of have a kind of car breakdown and then call in somebody to kind of tow my car. And to pay them money when I could just ring the RAC. Because as a member of the RAC, I have the benefits of the RAC. And I think so often as followers of Jesus, we have these benefits. As talked about in scripture. Joy, peace, hope. We talked about. John 10 verse 10 talks about life in all its fullness. And the kind of the list goes on. But we need to know that we have these benefits so that we can give these benefits. I came across this verse. I've never seen it before. Uh, maybe you have. It's in 1 Timothy 1 verse 11. And the translation says that about having this glorious good news. And that phrase, um, in that kind of a uh, few translations, the glorious good news, got me thinking, do I really know what the good news is? Do I really know that I have this glorious Good news. Because this is what we have to give. I think sometimes we underestimate. We look at people around us and we think they have this, they have that. But you know what? We have life in all its fullness. We have what I just talked about. This kind of overflowing hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 15 verse 13. We have this peace that transcends all understanding, we're told in Philippians chapter 4. We have the strength to do all things in, in all circumstances. Again, we're told in Philippians chapter 4. And, and I could go on, but this is all part of the glorious good news that we have in Jesus. 
We have to focus less on what we do not have and focus on what we do have. And there's a world out there that wants to have what we have. And so the questions again, I've been asking myself a lot of questions. Apologies you don't like questions. But how are we going to find out about what we have? How are we going to remind ourselves of what we do have? These benefits, this glorious good news. And as we do that, we see these lame, this lame man encounter God. This lame man asked Peter and John for something. But he got something way better. People often do not know what they need. Because they do not know the benefits and the glorious good news that would solve, that would help them in this time. The only reason I really like this story about the lame man is God did way more than, than I think anybody anticipated. Peter and John, let alone the lame man. You see, uh, uh, it really hit, hit me this week, and I might be wrong, but I like the concept of it. That God healed the lame man even before he began to walk. You see, we're focusing on the physical, and that's amazing. As a person who literally just broke his foot six or seven weeks ago, and I'm having to relearn to walk, I'm staggered when I hear the story of this man. What is it? I can't remember, 38, 40 years, not being able to you know, walk. He might have never walked as far as we know. And then he instantly jumps up and starts to jump. Well, I've been told I can't jump for another five weeks. And tell you what, I might not walk for five or six weeks, but trying to learn to walk again is really hard. It's taking a lot of mental effort. But God did that in an instant. But God did more than just the physical. I believe that God changed him. We're, we're here as we read later on in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It says that salvation has come. And the word there for salvation is sozo, which means wholeness. Healing of body, mind and spirit. And I believe that happened uh, in this moment. And I think one of the key phrases that we miss out is when Peter said to the man, look at us. You see, normally as a beggar, he would have his head down. And I've been in enough environments in rural countries. And you see it again also in the UK sometimes, where normally the head is kept down. You know, please give me something. Please put something in the bowl. But Peter's like, I want to look at you. The Bible talks about their eyes like kind of the doorway to the soul. And at that moment, Peter was looking right into the soul of that man. He was acknowledging him. I mean, it was particularly crucial in, in the environment that we're talking about here. You see, for a lot of people in Peter and John's time, this man being lame would be an indication that either him or his family in some way had sinned. So it wasn't just lame physically. There would be a whole load of kind of shame attached to this man. You know, people would kind of look down upon him, frown upon him, not just because so much he was lame, but it's like, you must be a sinner. And so for somebody to stop and to look at him and acknowledge him, maybe the first time in years, somebody has looked at him and acknowledged him as a person, He's not part of his kind of family or network. Would have been transformational. You see, that's what God has always been done. This was a fulfillment of what it says in Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 
is, I love the title of the chapter, is Joy of the Redeemer. And it's talking about what God is going to do when the kingdom of earth comes to heaven. And it says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth from the wilderness, and streams in the desert. You see, this man wasn't just physically healed. His life wasn't transformed. He was healed body, mind, and spirit. Where his body was broken, his heart was broken, his life was broken, and God healed every bit of that. And God hasn't changed. You see, when we go beyond ourselves, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, when we are led full of the Holy Spirit, where we have the servant scatter-servant mentality, partner with God, we begin to see stories like chapter 3 breaking out everywhere. You see, that story wasn't there just to be a story that we turn into a song, that we celebrate that happened in the past. It's a story that is written there to invite us into, to be part of our everyday journey. See, that's why it was just as we're doing everyday life. It wasn't meant to be something that was special. It wasn't a rally. It wasn't a special event that we're holding you know, come to the congregation and we are going to do this. It was an everyday life. And they, the lame man, encountered Jesus and he was transformed. I've been watching this series called The Chosen. Nigel referred to it, I think, last week as well. Uh, maybe somebody referred to it next week. And in series one, it had this story about Mary Magdalene, who we know from the Bible was kind of demon-possessed. She encountered Jesus and she's transformed. You get a little bit more detail in the Chosen series. And like Nigel just says, I think it does it so beautifully. I find it hard to watch a Chosen clip without sometimes just crying or just being overwhelmed again by the goodness of God. And Mary Magdalene has this phrase when um, she's been questioned about a transformation uh, in her life. And she says, I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And you see, this is my challenge. We need, as we live the lives that God is calling us to do, we will hear more people saying that. I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Not us. Not Peter and John. But what God did for Peter and John. What God would do for each one of us. And that encounter with Jesus changed everything. And, you know, and as a, as a church, our desire as a leadership team is that we all grow and develop in this. In beginning to reach beyond ourselves and to create encounters. You see, I was brought up in a church environment where the aim was to get somebody to say a prayer. And I've seen loads of people say the prayer, but not be radically changed. Not radically following and obeying Jesus. Why? Because my aim was to get them to say a prayer. My aim was not for them to encounter Jesus. And one can say the prayer but not necessarily encounter Jesus. Prayer is important and crucial. But I believe for ourselves, as we want to lead our communities into life, we need to learn how to bring people into an encounter with Jesus. And again, I just wrote some stories down. But as I hear this story, I'm aware of some people in my in my very close to me in my life and I think I want to see their lives transformed by this person's like this lame person and if he can do it once he can do it again 
and I've been challenged. How can I create these encounters? How can we, you know, we talk about acts being that, you know, the acts of the apostles, but more likely is the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. And there's way more to the book of Acts that can be added to as each one of us follow the Holy Spirit as we live our everyday lives, step out in our authority and our power as we are sensitive to what the Spirit is doing in this moment. And we can begin to see lame men, lame women, lame children encounter the goodness and the power and the might of God and be transformed. And maybe for some of you, just as you're hearing me say this now, you can picture yourself, you think you see yourself as the lame person. And I invite you right now. And I just speak right now. You know, I'm just doing this over the camera. And I just say, in the authority of Jesus Christ, I just speak life. I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak transformation into your life. And there's no area of your life that is too broken, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, that God cannot bring transformation. And so I just bless you with the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrected Jesus to see change in your life. And for those of you, as you heard this story, it's stirred sinking you. I hope it hasn't brought guilt and shame, but I, I share this as an invitation, as a challenge to each one of us. That you just say, yes, God. I want to go on this journey. I want to live this type of life, because this is the life that you first said to me, come follow me. And this is what it will look like. Yeah? Let's just do that. Yes, God. We say yes to you. Amen.